0: This week, Gary and I dig into the events unfolding in Israel and what it portends for the days ahead in America and even in our own backyards. We ask some pesky questions, including why this might be happening now and whether enough Americans are thinking about these events in light of globalism and the big lie of 2020, neglecting to make a distinction between political Israel and the Israel of God. My name is Kevin Cookagee and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast.
1: Yeah. Love it. You're ruining it. Wait till it comes up. Who is it? Don't you cry oh man i know who this is hang on a second is this uh is this
0: kansas yes yes is it kansas yeah i just
1: took all me right. a second
0: who, who's playing guitar who's lead singer
1: okay now you get in see it's stuff like that you have to producers and guitar players i and... didn't
0: say producer this is <laughs> the producers behind the scenes but lead singer
1: yeah kansas, kansas is all i got on that sorry all right
0: carrie livgren
1: okay who,
0: who actually became a Christian in 1979 then he did a Christian record but because he was under contract with um, General Market Label he had to do it he had to do his release just in the Christian market so it was called A.D. I had a roommate in college that had that record uh, that's how I really got introduced to Carrie Livgren's faith but let's listen to this this line because I was trying to pick a different song I think that's a good good enough start. Yeah. So, believe it or not, I, I was looking for songs that had confusion, illusion, things yeah, like that. We're
1: living in the illusion right now.
0: Yeah. But, unfortunately, it would have been too many weeks in a row or too many con- close proximity weeks oh, Tom of Petty. ELO. No, oh, ELO. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> ELO has a song called Confusion, <laughs> and there's many more lyrics about it that would have been appropriate. So, but,
1: so mental note, if I don't recognize the song, my <laughs> guess is going to be ELO. ELO.
0: Um, so I I chose that confusion and illusion because I think that's a great place to start with what's going on in the world with regard to Israel. And I I would also add, because when you asked me, you know, are we going to cover Israel today? I agreed that it's a great place to start, but also keeping in mind, um, Bob Dylan once said when he was interviewed, I, I, I forget what the topic was, but they said, When they asked him the question, he said, when everybody's talking about the same thing, it gets kind of muddled. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we focus on things. You know, sometimes people focus on the wrong aspect or they focus on what everybody else is talking about. And sometimes...
1: Well, that's usually not what we focus (laughs)
0: on. Not here. And And it's important, right? Because if it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, it doesn't even matter what's going on in your own backyard. If your windows are dirty you'll never see it, right? If your perspective is cluttered, you'll misunderstand what you do see while missing altogether the things that are really typically more important. So, Gary, I think, and I'll let you start, but I think there's two lanes or two silos in which we should talk about Israel. One is the national security, foreign policy, all of the international relations aspect Mm -hmm. And then there's this other aspect, which a lot of people are, I'm happy to point, at least are pointing out more quickly, a lot of questions as to why did this happen? What might be behind it? Is there something that we're not being told? So um, I'll let you start on either. I think it's important that we talk about both, but they kind of blend together.
1: Yeah, well, I'll probably start on the latter. I feel like Israel is going to be one of these topics, sort of like covid there's going to be a lot of friendship breakups <laughs> and and church breakups. And I'm, I'm already seeing some of that in my own life. It's like, you know, when something like this happens and people are put in a situation almost where they are forced to pick a side, which I think we find ourselves in that place much more often now. Mm-hmm. And part of that's unfortunate because, of course, we we can't just have conversations and disagreements anymore. We have to pick a side and destroy mm-hmm. the other side. But mm-hmm. I'm noticing how much of a touchy subject this Israel thing is. Just on people that, uh, just on the premise of where we may theologically disagree with one another. Like I, I, I tried to write a commentary this week that I felt I felt like was balanced and and tried to address. Things Not only from a biblical perspective, but also leave leave the door open to the fact that and, I, and I've, I've been I've been paying attention to what a lot of other people are saying too. we're not giving by supporting Israel necessarily are their right to defend themselves. At the same time, we're not saying that there is not something much deeper going on here and that in mm-hmm. that in some way, at least factions of the Israeli government were not complicit in this. It's the same. It's the same thought of seeing what is happening in our own government mm-hmm. in the United States of America. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like America is not a horrible destitute nation simply because our government is corrupt, right. though it is. <clears throat> Amen. And and I would I would say most likely the Israeli people are facing the same prospect. I I think there is a dis- we should draw a distinction between the Israeli people ...and their government. Same way I think we should draw, you know, let's be fair. We should draw a distinction between some of these Palestinians and Hamas mm-hmm. and and what, what Iran, what governments like Iran right. is trying to do. So I, I think, unfortunately, people definitely get caught in the crossfire of what is happening.
0: Yeah, and I think to that point, Gary, when you talk about the distinction between the people and their government... I read someone sent me an article today, and I'll just give you the the title of it and the author so that I'm not taking credit for anything. I don't know who this author is. It's a, it's a man by the name of Jason Kristoff. The title of the article is Israel Under Attack, But How Did Hamas Get In? So right. you can imagine where yeah, that goes. Sure. But what I like best about this article, he draws some interesting conclusions, not all of which I – well, I don't necessarily disagree with him, but he kind of he, he kind of hits upon um some over and over again that I'm like, okay, it's it's too much on that point. But he asks this question, and I quote, can a government use medical euthanasia application against its own people because he's talking about Israel and how they went so hard on COVID, COVID restrictions, yeah. right? And simultaneously claim altruistic stewardship of the same population. Mhm. Right? That's the question that has to be asked, because suddenly— Claim moral authority. Yeah. Why should we Why should we just accept out of hand, without any kind of um, critical thinking, that Israel really cares for its people, the same people that they just subjected to the most tyrannical treatment over the last three years, right, with regard to COVID, masks, shutdowns. In fact, I've heard from people who think like we do within the uh, Israeli— territory now that it's shut down just like it was at covid and they feel very they feel that same kind of uh, emptiness darkness you know spiritually and and relationally so that that alone i think is a, is a question worth discussing how can we trust why would we assume that the government loves their people so much they're going to defend them when they just destroyed them for three years
1: yeah absolutely and and again, that even plays into the fact that I think there are going to be human rights abuses on both sides of the border, right? It's not just it it's not just the aggressor, it's also going to be the response. So anyway, the the, the part that makes this even more difficult, I think, are the are you've got religion mixed into this now. <laughs> which always I religions mix into every uh, conversation. That's true, but especially when you start dealing with a when 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 the nation of Israel declares war, like I got to be honest, I'm not even sure theologically where you stand on this, but I'll just speak for me, like my entire framework, theological framework through Bible college, I mean I got I gave my life to the Lord at a Little Assemblies of God church back in in I don't know 94, I think. I was 14 years old mm-hmm. and From then on, I mean, I'm 45 now, 100% of my Christian experience has been filled with a belief that Israel is unique in the sense, and it's played a narrative throughout the Old Testament, that the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and that there there is a historical significance to the land of Israel and things that need to happen at the temple mount and all these things that are that are leading up to the return of Christ and that I'm I'm being challenged with some of that. Like, oh, Gary, you you've not see you. are still not you're not awakened to the truth yet, you know, and you don't realize that this is just a a bunch of Zionist propaganda that was led by the by the Rothschilds and and Netanyahu actually has blue eyes and he grew up in Virginia. He's not even Semitic. <laughs> he grew
0: up in Philadelphia yeah,
1: or where whatever you know <laughs> and and you know so all of these all of these things that the the Mossad you know was set up by uh, these other interested parties by the CIA and they're an evil entity. And so I'm I'm just gonna be honest. I wanted to just open that up because I'm wrestling right now just from a a a perspective of faith, um trying to recon- trying to reconcile the truth, realizing that I 100 percent believe that there is so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know. I don't think what we're being fed is the truth. I don't believe that Hamas just magically breached the wall. Personally, I sort of, I'm in agreement with the. I think Israel played a role, but I, I was challenged, you know, just a few months ago or last month on the radio by a bunch of people because I also believe that our government was complicit in 9/11. Right. You know. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that Israel is not innocent here but i have to separate that though mentally from the role that i believe the the jewish people play in this narrative that is playing out in these times and i'm just i'm i'm just being real i'm struggling reconciling all
0: of that well let's talk about how hamas right we're it, this is conjecture but i think it's critical analysis based on what we've seen in the past It's been well-documented now by a lot of people who've written about it for years. In fact, I'll start here. Our friend, Lyndon Allen, Lyndon Barrington Allen, you know, he goes to Israel a lot. And I remember years ago, I I asked him, do you feel safe when you go to Israel? He's like, oh, my gosh, Kevin, I feel safer in Israel than I do anywhere in the world, right? Because they take their security so seriously, and this has always been the case. Everyone that I talk to who who goes and goes frequently to Israel and knows about their security infrastructure, they have said over and over again that it is the safest place because of the fact they're surrounded by all of their enemies and they take their security seriously, right? No political correctness when it comes to their security. They do have political correctness in other aspects of their culture. Now, if that's the case, then the question which people are asking is, how in the world could there be a quote-unquote surprise attack? I've heard people describe their border security so good that even if a cat walked through the border, they would know and be on high alert. And then you have questions just like during 9-11. We had so many of our assets out in uh, southwestern Canada and northwestern United States on an exercise that couldn't be used to confront what was going on yeah. right in the in the east coast. Well here again we had a lo- a large portion of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, which are supposed to be the best in the world, who were not available yeah, just so happened. Right. And then I asked this question, Gary, why is it that the technology they boast about how great their technology is, but oh it failed in this instance. Why does it fail in the instance of securing their citizens, but when they want to use it against us and they want to know where you are and they want to know what's on your phone and what you're talking about, no problem, right? If they if they want to ask you uh, whether or not you've had a vaccine, quote unquote, the shot, right? They'll know all of this stuff about you. But when it comes to protecting the border, all, there's a leak, there's a mistake. Why doesn't that mistake happen when they're using that same technology mm-hmm. against their citizens? I think these are legitimate questions, don't you?
1: Yeah the mis- the mistakes only put you at risk. Then it's like a it's like the bank error. You know is is rarely in your benefit. <laughs> IRS the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So let's sort of talk about what what I think is going on. But but again, I just want to before I move on, I just want to say it is. However, because we're going to talk about you know what conspiracy theories as to why this is happening, but I think because of the religious nature of Israel and, and Christianity and where the evangelical church stands that's why so much of America is ready to just wave their Israel flag and mm-hmm. we've got to go to war yep. like that's and that's a problem it honestly is. yep it's it's that that religious fervor now is pushing a lot of voters and a lot of elected officials who represent those voters. I I think we just had 100% in Tennessee. 100%, Kevin. All 75 Republicans in the House, and I think all 27 Republicans in the Senate signed a joint letter from our legislature urging Governor Bill Lee, it's a joint proclamation to do, you know, everything within the state of Tennessee's power to support the nation of Israel. Well, let me one hundred percent. So that's
0: interesting. Has it ever happened before?
1: I I don't know, but I'm I'm maybe going, at nine eleven. I'm going to speculate that a lot of that is because we we live in the Bible Belt, and I just I think the overwhelming majority of folks who consider themselves a Christian here in Tennessee probably have this very pro-Israel bent that transcends throughout evangelical christianity so i so 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 that what i'm saying is that un, that sort of religious foundation i think is going to cause people not to consider all of the right. other worldly secular implications that are actually happening right now and and causing governments now to make very rash decisions based on a religious belief, not on what's ap- actually happening on the ground.
0: This is why I think it's really important to distinguish between Israel, the political state, and what the Bible means when it talks about, when, right. Paul, when, exactly. Paul, when Paul says the Israel of God, right? That's He's not talking about political Israel. The nation state of yeah. Israel. And, that's, and if Christians don't understand that, then yes, I can understand why it's easy for them to get sucked into just aligning the two, right? Yeah. Not blurring that distinction. Let me go back to Tennessee for a minute. If the resolution is urging our governor to do anything to support Israel, before I make this statement, do you know if any Tennesseans are in Israel now, stuck I, or otherwise? I don't
1: know about stuck. I believe they're, they're worse. I and mean, part of that proclamation was ensuring that we did everything we can also to get those folks out. And I, I, wanna, I know, saw something come across my feed where I don't know if all Tennesseans have exited the country, but I believe we've been successful in getting some of them out.
0: Because you know who – well, let's talk about this in the context of the federal government. The federal government is embar- – Now, this is really bad. We have countries like much smaller countries, Argentina, Poland. And you just name every country, left, right, and, and center, and, and otherwise, have sent aircraft in there to get their citizens out. United States said, oh, yeah, get a commercial flight. It's like, well, sorry, <laughs> there's no commercial flights, not even on American-based airlines. Joe Biden. But there's not even, you can't even get out on Air Canada, you can't get out on British Airways. So what, what, what does the best governor in the United States do? Ron DeSantis? He's sending flights from Florida to get Florida citizens out of
1: Israel. That's what governors do, it's, Kevin. It's... <laughs> I, why is it? It's what governors do.
0: I, I, I'm very pleased to announce that Ron DeSantis does these things, but why won't other governors do this? Why is he always the only one who's leading on these issues?
1: I don't know, but I, I enjoy seeing him do it, and I, I wish we would do a lot more here. Um, so I, it remains to be seen what our governor is going to do or or it's necessary for him to do. We'll see. I just I saw that proclamation come out yesterday, I believe. Um, so, so some— some geopolitical things that I'm concerned about, that I and I, I would imagine you're concerned about, Kevin. China. Yep. Right. I mean, is it crazy to think that somehow, some way, China is not, at least if it was not part of this scheme, it certainly is doing everything it can now to take full advantage of this.
0: Yes, and I think, scheme. and I think we need to we need to connect the dots. So let's go back and connect some dots. China, for those in our audience who don't know, although I think our audience is sophisticated enough to understand this, China buys oil from Iran. Uh, In fact, since the beginning of the Biden administration, China has purchased over $80 billion of oil from Iran. Now, during the Trump administration and during any any administration that would respect American sovereignty— Those sanctions would have prevented that from happening, right? But the Biden administration loosens the sanctions and allows Iran to sell oil to China. Not only does that benefit China in developing it, they don't care about, quote-unquote, green emissions or anything of that nature, but it funds Iran. And why is Iran being funded important? Because Iran's proxy is Hamas, Mm -hmm. right? And we know that not only Iran, but Syria. So you've got this connection between Iran and its puppets – Um, Hezbollah in Syria and Hamas in Palestine, all of that as to the China connection, yet China is directly involved by the fact that they're funding Iran in that way and indirectly involved because the more the United States gets sucked into this, another carrier group going there, not looking at Taiwan, right? right? Everybody knows that, everybody should know by now that China has long had its eyes on Taking what they believe to be their sovereign territory, Taiwan, and so they're more than happy to see the United States get sucked into this. We've already depleted our resources in Ukraine. Now Over, we're, over now,
1: 100 billion. Yeah, and now Ukraine. it's being
0: suggested that we supply—to your point earlier, almost without reservation, you see people saying, send Israel whatever it needs. It's like, really? Uh, even men? And are we going to completely yeah. diminish our resources— so I read a, a great article in Center for Security Policy talking about why the United States should not send men and doesn't need to send men. And for anyone who's interested in reading it, it's a, um article written by a man named David Wormser. Uh, this was October 12th. Reflections on Israel's strategic options. And I won't read it, but I'll give you kind of a synopsis. Uh, Wormser does a great job of talking about <clears throat> The, the connection between—right right now, he says Israel is very anxious because now, regardless of why it happened, you have the world looking at Israel as weak. Even Trump came out and said Israel's weak. And he said this is really significant geopolitically because the world has always looked at and believed that Israel was strong. And now you have Israel weak. Um, that makes Iran strategically—it makes Iran look stronger— and and so what he this this gentleman who's who's experienced in foreign affairs and and I think he's a retired general he said the first thing that Israel has to do is they have to shift that anxiety to Iran and the way to make Iran anxious is to take out not just Hamas but he really focuses on this Syrian element because Syria can't even protect Syria the Syrian government the Assad regime is protected by Hezbollah so they're their main security apparatus is a terrorist organization. So he thinks that Israel is going to focus a lot of its military might on taking out not just Hamas but Hezbollah too because that will undermine Iran and it'll it'll turn the anxiety from being a, an Israeli-focused anxiety to all of a sudden making Iran anxious. And then he goes on to say if that happens, then the people of Iran, distinguished from their government, just like we were talking about Israel and U.S., who have never liked living under the Mullahs, um, will gain more courage. And then he thinks that will help actually weaken the uh, Iranian political structure. So it's very interesting. He said they don't have to go directly to Iran, um, and they don't need the United States because that will make Israel look weak. He said, sure, send them supplies and and tools, but by no means should we be sending our we shouldn't be flying sorties with them. We shouldn't be actually engaged militarily, support them kind of behind the scenes. So, um, And I do agree with that approach. Uh, aside from why we got into it and how we got into it, um, there is the element, just like with 9-11, yes, you and I both agree that there's way too many questions to be asked about the official story, right? And the official story does not hold any water. But that doesn't mean that, that the people that committed those acts— are not still culpable, right? There's so leaving your borders opening and allowing something to happen doesn't mean that the people who did it are not culpable. So we still have this terrorist organization to deal with. It's not like it was the IDF who was shooting their people. So that that that's an issue we that has to be addressed. And I don't know, Gary. What do you think about? I see a lot of people writing this saying they believe that. If it can be said to be true that Israel kind of looked the other way to allow this entrance of Hamas, it was done strategically so that they can finally eliminate this threat and go and completely obliterate them. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, maybe so. Why is that? A, why? Why would that, in any scenario, that be a, a good thing, or an honorable thing, or a reasonable thing for a government to do? I mean, that's the speculation is that, and again, just throwing out all the speculation here that. That the Mossad, at Israel was involved in helping to make sure that 9/11 happened. Why? Right. the 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 reason that people speculate that is because well, certainly that would now have finally antagonized the United States to go after the uh, Arab right uh, Muslim Brotherhood. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, because um, now that having a terrorist attack on their homeland, it would engage them. In their own war, they're at there in the Middle East. So you know that's that's been speculation for a long time. But you know, if in fact they did do that and opened up an attack like that to their own people, that is
0: godless. It is, and that is. But they've done it, right? They did that during COVID. Yeah, that's that's why I think the question needs to be asked. I'm not. Yes, people are going to. There are some people who are listening to us who are going to misunderstand, and they're going to allege that we're saying something we're not. All I'm saying is you cannot miss those questions. Those questions have to be asked. How could we suddenly trust the U.S. government and the Israeli government in these things, take them at face value, and suddenly champion the government without question? And I think that's how we've gotten into a lot of these problems— 9/11 led to the Patriot Act, which destroyed American liberties single-handedly. Absolutely. So you have to ask, what's coming now in Israel? What are they going to do? What's we know that Israel's always been very closely aligned with World Economic Forum and World Government. So why is it not fair to ask these questions? What's behind this? It doesn't mean that the people who were who were used and abused that there doesn't need to be a punishment for that, that. There doesn't need to be justice because you can't have peace without justice. But as to the questions as to why this happened, I don't think we can say that the Israeli government has clean hands.
1: I would also say for me, I, I often assume that everything is connected. So in other words, you mean
0: there's no coincidence? <laughs> well,
1: you know, I think the fact that Hamas now has breached Israel's border and, you know, there's this call for this day of rage and you know they're there it seems like they're almost reactivating this this jihadist ISIS type mentality and um and who knows how that's gonna play out. But isn't it interesting though that we've got um a regime in the White House that hates America so much that it has virtually opened our southern border, you know, mm-hmm. like like floodgates. Over the past two years, and we've got more folks coming across this country. I, so I was watching a Fox News interview from 2020. Um, Brian Kilmeade was interviewing a CIA agent, and they asked him the question. This is back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Did did he feel that the speculation that there were Iranian sleeper cells in the United States that he did he feel that that was legitimate? And he said, the CIA operative says, absolutely. Yeah, of yeah. course. And he said, but something he said not, that I've thought about, in fact, not only is it a real threat, we know who they are. You know, oftentimes at the border, he says, we do a very good job, if if not stopping them, at the very least, not only do we know who they are coming across, but we also know where they are right now. Mm-hmm. So he said, while, while there's a threat, I, I wouldn't say that it's, a dire threat because we we sort of know where all those threats exist around the country. But I thought about that. Now that was 2020. Consider 2023. I mean, is it remotely possible that that same CIA agent could answer that question the same way today? I mean, how how would it be in any way? You mean possible? just because
0: of volume? Yeah, but yeah.
1: sheer volume. You know, uh, you you. There's no way at this point you could convince me that you know who these people are. Um, and that you know where they are throughout the United States. I, I think our bo- our border plays in to what I think is an agenda right now actually happening in Israel. I think it's connected to China, and I think it's connected to all of these folks right now that are seeking. I, I, look, I think, I think COVID, <laughs> I think the Hamas attacks, I think all, our open border, I, I think our nation right now is under attack. It's all interconnected.
0: What you just said about that CIA agent leads to one of two possible answers. Two questions. Either, yes, they do know where everybody is, even considering the millions more who've come into the country over the last four years. Or, they don't. But if they don't, then we're at risk because they don't know where they are. And if they do, then if something happens, they let it happen on purpose. You can't claim to know where everybody is and to, you know, kind of make it look like, oh, you're safe because we know where they are and then have something happen. This is similar. It's a parallel path to what's going on in Israel. They, for years, decades, since the founding of Israel in 48, 48, right? Yes, that's correct. They have done nothing but be very proud about their security apparatus for For them not to have, you know, because when you're, when you're on any kind of a... A, a um, what do you call it? When you, when you go through a checklist to try to, to punch through and see where your weaknesses are, you, are you telling me that the Israeli government did not ever think about, well, what would happen if some hang gliders came down? Or what would happen if they shot a bunch of uh, missiles at the same time? Would that overcome the Iron Dome? This doesn't seem like rocket science, pardon the pun, that, 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 that they would have missed this, which always leads me back to that question why did this happen? Why were these people exposed? And and how is it connected? Which leads me to this. So this I will admit, and I'm just going to say it because it's fun. I have no idea where this is going, but I read something today. I'm going to say it in advance. It's conspiracy theory, right? Because I don't, I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I heard someone say... I'm, I'm ready. The next thing that we should expect to hear at some point in this struggle is that the jewish population will will migrate to the ukraine and what? that was the, i'm i'm Why? not i'm not vouching for this this is not my but the theory Why? is because israel can't protect them anymore that space is it's it's too dangerous they're surrounded by their enemies as they always have been and now it's been shown that their security apparatus is gone therefore we're going to put the jewish people into ukraine I don't know what that means yet, and maybe it'll make sense later. Maybe it's a bunch of bunk, but I just read it today, and I thought, where did that come from?
1: Well, there was a significant there was a significant portion of the Eastern European Jews, um, you know, coming out of the Holocaust mm-hmm. by far and large is is who occupies the nation of Israel today, and historically. Weren't most of those Eastern European Jews Judaism Juda, Judaism converts in Ukraine? I mean, I, I believe that a lot of that Eastern European Jewish culture originated in Ukraine. I
0: think. I I don't know. I'm not experienced enough to to know the answer. But I,
1: I think I think in other in other words, it's interesting you say that because I believe that Ukraine somehow has a historical significance in terms of the. Eastern European Jewish population which weren't necessarily a Semitic people mm-hmm. but an Eastern European people that had converted to Judaism
0: okay so then I'm going to add this other thing that I heard going around which is <laughs> think of what we just talked about are, are is it possible that that the there's going to be a large migration of Jews from today's Israel physical Israel to the Ukraine and then tie that together with did you hear this strange story that when the king charles was coronated that they actually coronated him as king the new king of Israel what i'm just saying it's it's floating out there in the what the metaverse yeah so if i put those two together i'm like hmm and you think of Charles and One World Order. I don't know what any of these pieces individually meet, mean, right? They're dots on a map, but I'm putting them out there because maybe in the future we'll be able to connect them and say, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it means right now, but Ukraine, King Charles, Israel, we know there's you know a, a great struggle for one world government, but well, I, I thought it would be interesting to at least throw that out there.
1: Well, it is. And so here's where I'm at on some of this stuff. I, I, so all of that said right the the biblical spiritual implications the geopolitical implications all of the what ifs i certainly believe that there that there is a a large um very planned out move in place right now to begin to begin the pieces are it, it didn't begin with covid but covid i think was the the lightning rod that we've now sort of fast forwarded this plan that we're in now towards this one world government i it here's what it makes me think though being here in tennessee and again i've i've said this all the time very often as i've been out and about we can't control the white house Clearly, we can't control what's happening around the globe. And I, for one, do not simply want to be subject to mm-hmm. what's coming. And so what's what needs to be happening here in Tennessee, in my opinion, before we start signing unanimous proclamations to go help Israel, <laughs> it would seem to me that it's incumbent upon our state government to actually think forward and begin considering what steps can we take here in Tennessee to do everything we can to shield us from the global effects of what's about to go down. Uh-huh. All, all the way in terms of you know, again, we've had Catherine Austin Fitz here on the show talking about how to secure our banking, our ability to trade here in the state with the sovereign bank with hard currency. Um, we've talked about. Uh, with lance a local rancher about our food supply and how important it is so you know in terms of of money and exchange and food and manufacturing and um, supply chain issues for me personally that's where my head goes if
0: if if i were governor Kevin. Yep. <laughs> like though, would would you would you evict any of the refugees that are getting law licenses? Hell, hell
1: yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I mean that's part of it too, yes, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. I mean, we so all I'm what I'm saying is we can sit here and and speculate and I do believe they're they're is an incredible large agenda at play. I believe Israel's part of it. I believe what happened with Hamas is all part. I believe it's connected to China and Ukraine, our southern border. I believe all of that's connected. I believe you Mm -hmm. can see that back to COVID. You can go back to 9-11. I think think this is a very well-planned out, uh, they are executing on mission right now. And so if we can at least just sort of perceive that much without really understanding all the intricacies, Uh what we should realize is that we have got to figure out right now, we've got to stop pretending that this is not happening. Mm -hmm. We have to stop pretending that the UN is really not talking about a 2030 agenda. We've got to stop pretending that Klaus Schwab doesn't want us to own nothing and be happy. Like we've just got to stop pretending that these are conspiracies and we need some leadership in Tennessee that's actually working to secure some sort of semblance of America moving forward. Look, even if it's only in Tennessee, I'm okay with that. Like, I believe there's a lot of things that can happen around this nationally. But if we can be smart about fixing some of those issues right here within our state— um, we we can at least not be subject to the worst that's going to happen nationally and across the world.
0: Yeah, I I think <clears throat> I wanted to say something that ties back to the beginning of this episode Gary and that is if you, you know, one of the ways to protect yourself against an enemy is similar to protecting yourself against a bad argument in a court of law and that is to know what the other side is going to ask you or to know what the other side is going to do, right? So if you were an enemy of not just the United States, but of sovereignty of nations, right? And if you if you were a person that believed in global governance and you were trying to um, fashion a world that was after your own authority, as we saw so much during 2020, what better way to achieve that than by these dramatic events like this? Because- anybody who studies the American culture knows that yes there are pockets of influence people who who are celebrating these wicked terrorist acts who are Hamas supporters but by and large the American people instinctively want to support Israel and do anything right without right. making any distinction right. well if I'm the enemy and that and that's and that's the challenge. I know that and I'm yes. going to take advantage of that that's so, a good point so it's we, we cannot, to your point of how we look at it differently since 2020, we can't pretend that's that's not at play. No, we don't have the answers. We don't know how all of these dots connect yet. We know how some of them connect. It's very easy to connect China to Iran, Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas. But we don't understand all the implications of the World Economic Forum. We just know what they believe and what they want to achieve. So we can't look at this as just a surprise act that just happened, and oh, forget all of a sudden everything that we've seen over the last three or four years. We have to look at it with discerning eyes and discerning hearts. You see, just today, the leader of uh, the nation, uh, Qatar,
1: um, yes. is threatening to turn off the world's gas supply uh, to you know, and in an effort to force us to support Palestine or at least not support Israel in their plight. I mean this. This stuff. This stuff is is about to get. I think so crazy. We're we're headed towards a a worldwide conflict. And when you think about uh, not just oil, but also our food, um, our medicines. We. I. I am. In my mind, again, I just. I. I want to leave us on this note. I. I'm. My hope and prayer is that we are really thinking about. How to take care of ourselves here locally. We have to think in such a way that what if we're not getting shipments of food anymore, mm-hmm. you know, from from our supply chains across the country? How are we going to eat? We have to be thinking, what if Cutter does cut off the oil tomorrow? What are we going to do? What are, are we going to drive our electric cars around here, you know, in, in Tennessee that the governor has locked us into here in Spring Hill and <laughs> Memphis? You know, what we've we really got to start thinking if some of this stuff really does go down, and I think we're heading there. What are we going to do in Tennessee? It's not it's not good enough to say, well, as America goes, as Tennessee, that's not good enough. No governor, no leader of a people should be thinking that way. Okay. We have to be thinking regardless of what happens throughout America or throughout the world. How can we secure ourselves right here in Tennessee. It's the same, isn't that what Joseph did in Egypt when he yep. stored up grain? Yep. You know, I mean. Seven years, th- yeah. That is the, that's the way we need to be thinking right now in Tennessee. And, my, and unfortunately, maybe I'm just not looking hard enough, I don't really see anyone thinking that way. And and we're, we, we continue to lead as if the status quo exists and as if there is no new normal and as if, um, you know, this conflict is just going to go away and there really is no threat of a one world government. There really is no threat of a BRICS currency and there really is no threat of uh, the gas getting turned off. We have to stop pretending that we are not a people at great risk because we are. And that doesn't mean we live in fear, but it means we live in wisdom and discernment and yeah. we we do the things that we have to do. To secure our futures for our our state and for our families.
0: So, on that note, since we're talking about natural resources, uh, oil, gas, electric, I have two very short pieces of interesting slash good news. Great. All right. We need that. So, first of all, did you see yesterday—well, yesterday is the time we're recording this—first week of October, uh, Exxon announced that it made a huge purchase. It was a $60 billion purchase— of a leading shale oil producer. So they bought this company, which basically gives it 1.5 million acres in the Permian Basin. You know, the Permian Basin is in yeah, western Texas, right. New Mexico. Um, which tells you one of two things. Now, the bad news is maybe is doing that because then they're just going to not drill, which is fascism, right? They could do that. But on the on the other side, is it kind of defies this notion that they believe the world is going to go all electric. If Exxon... Mobile is is buying access to the largest shale, mm. and it produces so much oil. Even even at current rates, like $4 billion, uh, 4 billion a day, 4, I think it's $4 billion a day, there's something like 30 or 40 years' worth of oil that can be pulled out of those fields. So that's interesting to note because you have government telling us electric, electric, electric – and combined with that, you also know what airlines are buying as far as their airplanes. They're buying years in advance, decades in advance. They're not going to be investing hundreds of billions of dollars in jet aircraft that operate on fossil fuels if they really think we're going to be electric that fast. That's one thing. The other thing that I found was interesting on the EV issue. Did you see that that plant, there's a plant in Kansas. Um, I'll just read it. This is from Blaze a couple of weeks ago a new electric vehicle f- battery factory in Kansas will require so much energy oh here we go that a coal plant slated for closure will now <laughs> remain open plus it will be expanded wow so we're going to so i was happy i'm like even though the reason is ostensibly to support an ev plant i'm happy when every whenever there's a coal plant that's expanded and remains yeah so isn't that the the reality of the situation cuz you can't plug in everything something has to be providing that power behind it we can't yep. b- power batteries with other batteries right
1: yeah well the trick is they they're fine using the oil they just want us subject to be right. able to be turned off that's exactly that's right the it's about control. they don't want us. oil to go away they just don't want us to have it it's yeah
0: <laughs> it's all about controlling us okay one final note for this week because by the time this goes live this will probably have been decided Speaker of the House.
1: Scalise or Jordan? Yeah, I'm I'm all in for Jim Jordan. In fact, I was Well, Scalise
0: he already withdrew. Did, did he withdraw? Yeah, he withdrew. Okay, cuz I saw, yeah.
1: I saw that, you know, there there was speculated that the, he would get the the nod, the Republican nomination, but uh I, so I want to ask because I was sort of surprised. I I'm sure there's some inside baseball happening. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Scalise withdrew?
0: Because he wasn't going to get the floor votes. So all he got remember the same thing happened with Kevin McCarthy in January before they yeah. went to the House floor. And so
1: was this wait, He got
0: the GOP victory, but Scalise knew, because there were twenty Republicans that said we will not vote for Scalise. So he knew he was just going to be up there losing time and time and time and time again. Love so, it. So, so so
1: again, these twenty have proven to to carry so much weight. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure if it's the same twenty, yeah, but, but there are twenty. Are, yeah. Um and I have I know Jim Jordan has not been as conservative as he used to be in in, in yeah, my view, but he will
1: be the most conservative. He'll speaker be much better we've yeah. ever had, and, I would imagine.
0: And I have I have hope that that will that will move us forward. One personal thanks to Jim Jordan. He was the one that actually opened in twenty. Let's see, IRS and I were at battle in twenty thirteen. Jim Jordan was the one. I think in two thousand twelve that actually opened the uh, IG investigation into the IRS, which led to Lois Lerner being exposed and having to admit Mm. that opened the door for us to be able to sue the IRS and to force them into a consent decree. So I will always be personally grateful to Jim Jordan for exposing that. Without that, we never would have stood a chance. Yeah, some pretty incredible things happening
1: uh, in the House right now. But, um, you know, again, it's still, I'm excited to see Jim Jordan become a speaker, but. There's a part of me, Kevin, it's like, so what? <laughs> no, I get you. <laughs> you know, I'm like so what? Place is so broken. Nothing's ever gonna happen in the Senate. It's just um and God help us next year, uh, what ends up what comes out of this White House. Oh, what uh, mm. and, and the last big news, and did you see that I know what R- you're gonna say RFK yes. uh declared as an independent? Yes. That is
0: huge. It is really huge, and it's it's really it's going to affect both sides. We yeah. know there's people on our side that.
1: So the Democrats are saying, "Oh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna take the vote, and Trump's gonna win." And then the Republicans are saying, "Oh no, he's gonna take the vote, and the Democrats gonna win." And and I I watched RFK's speech, and he actually mentioned that, and he said, "You know." He said, "I think they're both right. I think I'm going to win." <laughs> yeah. Well, I <laughs> so, definitely.
0: I, I think there's no question.
1: He said, "I'm. I'm. I am here to take their votes. That's why I'm running." Yeah. I, I was like, "Yeah. Well, that makes sense."
0: There is no question that he is going to damage both the Republican and the Democrat Significantly. here. Yeah. There's no question because, uh, especially with his views against uh, the shot and against corporatism and and those issues.
1: Now in, in, in modern in modern years, I would imagine the the best performing independent would have been Ross, Ross Perot. Perot. Do you remember nineteen
0: nineteen percent?
1: Okay, and and what did the winner get?
0: Forty four. Clinton got forty four. Okay, so yeah. yeah, so less than a majority would, do of you, votes.
1: Do you do you do you speculate because of COVID and where how polarized everything is? Do you think that RFK will breach nineteen percent? Do you think he'll get into the twenties
0: with an asterisk? Yeah. I think he has more than that amount of support from the American people. But it made me wonder, and I say this kind of with a chuckle, although it is serious, it's going to change how they manipulate the voting machines. Remember, <laughs> it used to be that if you voted for Trump and and uh, Trump against Biden, right, it was way differently. The machines were spitting them out, giving like Trump 80% of and and Biden 120%. You'd see those numbers. Well, now with a third person in that picture – the algorithms that the enemy is creating to change the vote it becomes more complex what year what year was perot uh 90 it was clinton's first year um, okay 90, so that, yes, 92
1: so that was way before the hanging chad and all that so that was that was that was quite a few years because machines really took a leap forward after, after the, the hanging, bush chad, election the hanging right. chad that's that's what pushed the machines and i think what in uh 2002 is really when they began to Pass laws to roll them out. So yeah, um, so yeah, he got nineteen percent of the vote, but that was back when I think, in my opinion, you could probably trust the election results a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe than now.
0: But I mean, don't do you, you see where I'm going with that? No, that the the, the, the
1: algorithms will have to It's different adjust. when
0: there's three, right? Yeah. Because and you wonder if it's harder to make it look legitimate. Everybody's going to be looking at that. There's nobody who can listen to this program. There's nobody who can say with a straight face that those numbers are not man- manipulated. So now the question is, how will they manipulate it with a third party that's a legitimate third party, not somebody who's going to get like a half a percent. I think he's going to get a significant percent.
1: Yeah, I think the, the you know, politically, I'm, I'm less interested in who gets the Republican nomination than how well RFK is going to perform as an independent because that's that's probably one of the most interesting things to happen politically in quite some time because he's he's he does have a lot of support and it will it will just be interesting to see how far a quality independent candidate can actually get yeah. um, because as you know I have I'm a Republican clearly because I believe in conservative values but I'm I'm no fan of this two party system it's a it's a sham
0: yeah and on that point I do think this stands the greatest chance of actually putting a dent in the two party system. Yeah. Right. Prior to unless you have a candidate with the strength and the draw of an RFK, you're never going to break the two party system. And you're exactly right, Gary. Our our pathway to freedom and to reclaiming freedom um if anywhere else starts at least in ending the two party system. It's it's so corrupt, it's so controlled and for that reason alone, I think this is a I was excited when I saw it. Not because I'm excited to see how it could negatively impact a Republican president presidential candidate, but for that very reason, can we finally perhaps break through this two party system? Yeah. That would be oh, something. Great. All right. See you next week. Yep. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.